0: The Seattle Mariner racing back to the track.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Halfway Around the Halo, an LA Angels UK podcast. This is episode two of our new season. We did a big preview a couple of weeks ago and today we're back as we're halfway through spring training and looking ahead to the year. Of course, with me I've got my lovely co-host Dave Evans. Dave, how are you doing this evening?
2: I'm good, thanks Nick. You've managed to track me down long enough to do this podcast tonight.
1: Yeah, you're an elusive man, an elusive man. But thankfully, it's not just you tonight, because we've got Trent Rush with us. I'm sure any of you listening are well aware of the work Trent does with the Angels, with the postgame show and being in and around the team and bringing us all sorts of fun snippets of facts, information and just analysis of what's going on with the team. Trent, you've been on the show once before. Welcome back. We're really glad to have you. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I tell you, anytime, Nick, anytime you call, I'm in. I love getting a chance to talk with you guys and about our fans overseas. And I do want to give a shout-out to the great effort by the Great Britain baseball team, the World Baseball Classic. I thought they showed really well. Um, the only time I wasn't rooting for them was when they were playing against Team USA. Other than that, I was pulling for you guys, and uh, I thought they had a good showing.
1: Absolutely. Honestly, it's been pretty remarkable how well they've done that usa game just to i know six six to two was a big achievement for us just to keep it that close and then there was the disappointment of the canada game and to be honest that's the canada game was everybody's worst fears the the defense was horrendous the base running mistakes the pitching they couldn't throw strikes that's what i think the main fear was when we were going into this tournament that you could be embarrassed like that. So Canada was a real low point. But then to turn it around, to come back the next night, go and win and beat Colombia, and then put on the show we did last night to just narrowly lose to Mexico. But they were in that game the whole way through. And it is, it is we're really proud of them. And honestly, this could mean so much to baseball in this country. It, I don't think people quite understand how small it is here and how little funding it is everything's done on an amateur basis everything's done as on a volunteer basis there we don't have a baseball stadium we don't have anything like this so to even win a game at at the classic is phenomenal and we need you to do us a favor tonight because if you get if you get the win tonight against Colombia then Britain qualifies for 2026 so fingers crossed
0: uh, big time, and uh, if the if the U.S. does not get it done tonight, there was going to be people are going to be coming after the manager's head. They're going to be going after DeRosa. There's going to be a lot of blame going around. The expectation uh, with Team USA is very high. But, but look, I thought Great Britain showed really well, uh, played extraordinarily hard, and that's that's one thing I love about. Like that's why I know you know when when Joe Madden was the manager of the Angels, I know he wanted to spend some time talking about what goes on overseas and paying a lot of attention to it because I do think that there's a great opportunity to grow the game, especially outside the United States. And, you know, when Mike Trout leads Team USA and kind of stands at the forefront of what the World Baseball Classic is going to be about, you see all the star power just across the country. When when you have Trout and Otani representing, you know, two of the teams that that could win this, um, that's really, really exciting. And I I think, I, I hope that people that watch this podcast uh, where you guys are from are going to be really excited about what they saw on TV. And hopefully, you know, in in four years or whenever the next world baseball classic is, uh, more people are going to be excited and and great Britain can continue to evolve as a great baseball country.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't say it better myself. And I think even great Britain, one example, but Italy, Czech Republic, Australia, look at the successes they're having. These are not baseball nations and they're just, They're getting so invested in it. And some of the atmospheres as well. Look at the stadium in Japan and in Taiwan. And it it is just phenomenal, isn't it? And that's what we love to see. I've got to admit, I was semi-skeptical coming into the tournament about how much I'd enjoy it. And also, you're just sort of gearing up for Angels baseball, ready for Major League Baseball. It's a bit of a distraction, but I am so fully invested. I've loved it. And more of this, I think.
0: It's been a really fun tournament. And I also think, you know from the United States perspective, I, America probably cares the least of all the yeah. countries about what the world baseball class, it's going to be. I say that until they lose, right? As soon as, as soon as they lost to Mexico, all of a sudden, now people are interested in, wait a minute, they're just not going to just walk through this thing. No, there's a lot of countries that are good at baseball that care that are playing hard, playing well, and are very serious about this. So U uh, S kind of kicked it into gear against uh, Canada and, and we'll see we'll see what happens in that columbia game i'm looking forward to it it's right down the road i got to see if someone can get me a ticket i, I mean i'm i'm like 2 hour I'm like uh, i don't know when i don't know when we're airing this but uh, it's right down the street it's 10 minutes from the hotel i got to find a ticket
1: you got to get a ticket you got to be there you got to yeah Trent, let's let's move on to angels baseball then you said you've been in you've been in tempe you've been in arizona for a couple of weeks now what are the big takeaways from you so far from seeing the Halos up close and personal in spring training and the big standouts for you?
0: Yeah, so the World Baseball Classic has done a couple of things. One, I think it's allowed, you know, star power to get out, play with the countries, play in meaningful games, and the stars are ahead uh, of what maybe they normally are at this point in the year. What it also has done is it's allowed a lot of these minor league players to get incredible opportunity playing in these big league Cactus League games. And, you know, you still have a handful of guys that are here. Hunter Renfro, Brandon Drury, Taylor Ward, Anthony Rendon. You still have some of your regulars, Jared Walsh. But for the most part, we've seen a lot of young Angels come up and I think perform extraordinarily well, as good as I have seen. And that was one thing that, you know, I didn't really realize this, but in 2019, the Angels, as an organization, so you take, you know, the big leagues, triple A, double A, you go all the way down to rookie all of the affiliates, you take their overall winning percentage. They were dead last mm. in all of baseball in 2019. Last uh, in 2021, they went from last to 23rd. And then in the 22 from 23rd to eight dramatic improvement in the minor leagues. And I think you're seeing that this is the most excited I've been about what's kind of under the hood. As far as the angels are concerned, I, I just think there's a lot more young talent. And some of those guys that the Angels drafted three, four years ago that, you know, we're like, man, we've heard Jordan Adams' name for a long time. We've heard Jeremiah Jackson's name for a long time. Uh, maybe some of these guys are just late bloomers because they're starting to perform pretty well in these games. So you feel like there is just a really good sense of, like, where the organization is going internally. I don't know that we've always been able to feel that way, that there was a clear direction, but. I'm already looking forward to like, man, 2024 is going to be awesome when, you know, maybe we see Zach Meadow up and uh, 25, oh, Adrian Placentia could be there. That's to be, like gonna You just kind of look in the future and you're going to be excited about the next couple of years for what's happening internally as opposed to the usual thought of like, oh, well, this guy is going to be a free agent that year. Maybe we can go get him in the offseason. No, the Angels have talent in-house right now. And that's that's just, we just haven't seen it. It's a really good feeling. Yeah, I mean, when you look
1: at it, I think every single one of those names you've mentioned, they've all sort of flashed, haven't they, at certain times during spring training. You've all seen a bit of the future right there and it's promising. But it nobody picks up on this on a national level still. I mean, you said that big jump from 23rd to 8th. You look at any prospect rankings and the Angels are still, you know, bottom, bottom third, bottom, you know, some of them as low as fifth bottom in rankings. But why do you think that is? Why do you think it take so long for it translate because i agree with you i mean this is the most promising the system has looked from the outside in a long time but in reality those national prospect experts as we'll call them they it doesn't seem to translate to their rankings why do you think that is
0: well i think part of it on one sense and i don't know if this is the primary reason but i know it's a reason is the angels keep a lot of their information internal they don't go out hyping their prospects, Perry Massey. is as a general manager, that is a true believer in these guys got to earn it. And, um, he's just, we just haven't seen the angels go out and, and be shopping. Oh, look at all this talent we have. Look at this and that to those, to those publications. So I think that that's part of it. I think too, when you look at these other prospect rankings, a lot of times they'll point to, you know, this player has, you know, you look at the Baltimore Orioles, um, Adley Rushman was a top prospect then he gets to the big leagues then he has success in the big leagues and this guy' is coming this guy is just as good and then like you point to examples of them having success in the major leagues for the angels the number one prospect for a long time was Joe Adele mm-hmm. and Joe Adele gets the major leagues and we haven't really seen the success with Joe Adele right there so then the thought just becomes okay well if he's the best prospect then the rest of the system must not be very far along at all when that's not really the case. And so I, I think that there's just some of those biases that are a factor in that. Uh, I think that when you see Logan Ohapi gets the major leagues and do well, I think that's going to be like, Oh, well, maybe this angel system's a little bit better than we thought. Oh, Zach Netto's having a really good camp. Hmm. Oh, he's already going to be, you know, maybe, maybe in triple a by the end of the 2023 season. Wow. Okay. Then let's, let's start, and then you start to see the angels kind of creep up in the rankings um, in that sense. So I, I think that's part of it. There's a lot of politics that go mm-hmm. into play with a lot of this stuff too. But um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say I think that the angels are a top ten farm system right now. I, I don't know. I can tell you with confidence they're not a bottom ten farm system. They're yeah. probably somewhere in the middle. And I'm looking forward to seeing what what they end up being in years to come.
1: Yeah, I mean that, that sounds promising, and I think the rankings do get a bit overstated, don't they? Because it's not necessarily about all this depth; it's the impact players you have, and you've named so many players there that hopefully in the next few years are going to come in and make an impact at major league level almost straight away. So let's keep an eye out for that.
0: Yeah, um, and and well, just real, real quick, the Angels players that are I think promising the farm are double A AA and triple A players. They're not single A and rookie ballers. So sometimes in, in A ball, you can have someone that has a really high ceiling and then they may never perform because, well, they're in A ball. They're, the, the the players the Angels have are really, really close to getting to the major leagues. Like, you know, Ben Joyce right there. Uh, Neto is close. I think Placencia is close. I think I think there's a handful of guys. Adams, um, LeVon Soto at shortstop couldn't make him the team. So there are guys, that, the Angels future is like, Close, it's not like three four years away. So, of, of those players, and who do you think has the best shot of
2: being seen this year? And not because we're sort of chucking the towel in or we've got an injury crisis again. Who do you think yeah. is going to be up there on merit
0: I think Levon Soto has a real chance to make the team. And look, he played 18 games for the Angels last year, batted 400, they love his defense. Um, you know, he's incredibly talented. The hard part about Soto is when you look at the Angels infield, and go, wait a minute. Well, you have Fletcher and Ringhifo, and then you just brought in Brandon Drury, and you just brought in Gio Urshela. Like, where's the fit? Like, you can't keep all of those guys. So I'll be curious to see how the Angels navigate that over the next two weeks before opening day to see what they end up doing, because I don't think there's a clear answer, you know? And and we haven't seen – Fletcher and Ringifo haven't been here. They've been in the world baseball classic and Ringifo's not getting much playing time in Venezuela. And uh, I think David Fletcher is probably going to be back in camp soon, though. Italy did make the quarterfinals. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, one of those things like Soto is here every day in camp. He looks really good. He's playing well. The angels already are excited about him. And then you have two players in Fre- Fletcher and Ringifo that aren't here. And yeah, they're in the world baseball classic and, and good for them, but with just the amount of influx of talent, the angels have brought in the middle infield. I I don't, there's probably going to be some guys that you think are like locks on the major league team that might not be there, which is a great problem for the angels, but it could lead to some difficult conversations.
1: Definitely. And another name there you didn't mention in the recent. obviously Andrew Velasquez as well, who's still hanging around that we saw a lot last year and whether Soto's now jumped ahead of him in the pecking order. I know that Velasquez has been playing some center field and, adding to his versatility. But let's just jump back, Trent, to the start of the off-season, I guess, and a really, really disappointing year again for the Angels last year. I think (laughs) we had so much promise, didn't we? The start of the season was phenomenal. You know, there's energy to the team. Everything seems to be going well. The injury bug hit, and we know how the season ended. But I think we got to this off-season, and everyone's so deflated. It looked like the team was going to change direction and everything else, which didn't happen, which we can touch on later. But then I think this offseason has been different to a lot of the last ones. And I know we always get to this stage of the off se- uh, spring training. We're always optimistic and we think that the team's in a great place. But something felt different, didn't it, about the way Perry was allowed to construct this roster this year. So much flexibility, I think, across, across what he's done i I don't know, just give me uh, some thoughts on how you think the angels went about this offseason and building the roster for the year ahead and what you think we'll see from it
0: yeah Nick I, the angels weren't the same once you went home, so that was uh <laughs> we're putting putting the whole season on you by the way yeah, playing well when you, when you were in town uh that was pretty cool well oh, look I, this off season has been different and and I'm with you. You know, I was so excited about what I thought the 2022 Angels could be. So I'm sitting here today going like, man, I felt like I kind of got burned by that. And I'm like, I'm like fighting it. Like, I, I want to be excited. I'm trying to trust my instincts that like what I see on the field looks pretty good. And I'm looking forward to what the Angels are going to be like at the same time knowing, well, I, I kind of felt this way last year, too, mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. So I'm, I'm still fighting that for sure. But what you said is a good point. The Angels didn't go and sign Trey Turner. They could have, or any of those big shortstops. The Angels, instead, instead of being a continually top-heavy organization, chose to thicken the middle. Was the terminology that Parrett Manassian has used? They've went out and they got twenty-nine home runs and a cannon in right field with his arm in Hunter Renfro. They got Brandon Drury, who hit twenty-eight homers. Now, a lot of that was in a smaller ballpark in Cincinnati. I'm not expecting him to hit 28 home runs, but he might hit 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get you; those are two really good pickups. Gio Urshela is an incredible insurance policy. Who's now lost some weight it might be a shortstop option for you as well. So you look at that, and then Tyler Anderson comes in, and, and what a difference this Angels rotation! You know, we're talking about this mix of Canning, Davidson, Silseth. One of those three being the sixth starter in the rotation. If the Angles were in a spot where they needed two of those three, you probably don't feel as good about it. But because they bring in Anderson, you do. Mm -hmm. So you just look at, you know, the rotation is better. Sure, the bullpen could be better, but they did bring in two guys in Esteves and Moore. You hope work out. Brett Phillips gives you outfield depth. And, and, you know, he doesn't have to hit. His defense and speed can make an impact. And the Angles didn't sign him to hit. So what the angels did was they had a, a ton of areas of need. They went and filled many of those holes. And you're hoping this is a much more complete roster than what the angels have had in a long time. I think about what last year would have been like, had the angels taken that same approach and it was world baseball classic. And there's no Mike Trout, no Shohei Otani, you know, no Trey Turner in the dugout or in the clubhouse. I'm looking around going, where are the major leaguers? You see all those guys take off now. The Angels at 18 participate in the World Baseball Classic, and there's still major league talent all over the place. That to me is a really good sign about where this organization's at today, to go along with what I said before about where I think the Angels will be tomorrow in the years to come.
1: That's a really good point. And one I, I'd kind of noticed as well, I think subliminally in my head, when you're looking at these spring training rosters, and you 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 listed them earlier. When you got your lineups, you got Walsh and Renfro and Rendon, like Drury. You're still produce. You're still worth watching because I mean, spring spring games on the whole, you know, you watch a few innings, you turn off. They're yeah. they're they're not for the, our purpose. You're glad baseball's back, but they're not for our purpose. But these lineup cards are still looking impressive, and it does get you a little bit excited.
0: Yeah, I have my lineup card from yesterday that I have right. I have right here, and I want to just I, I just want to look at this because the Angels went to Goodyear yesterday. And Goodyear is at the very far end of the valley. It's the furthest road trip you can go on. That means stars don't go. No, keep in mind, no Trout, no Otani in camp. You had Taylor Ward, Jake Lamb, who's an insurance policy but a former All Star. Drury played, Walsh played, Thays played, Stassi played. Phillips gonna be the fourth outfielder. You talked about Andrew Velasquez playing new position. Like th- th- that is legit. Like that, that's a like that would be a team that. If for whatever reason, Trout and Otani weren't available in the regular season, like that just didn't feel like a, a spring training lineup. That's the worst the Angels lineup is going to be is what we saw yesterday. And there's still some pretty good names. So I, have, I, I feel good
1: about that. I have seen us roll out some lineups a lot worse than that over the last few years. <laughs>
0: right, for sure. Like, and, and like in the first couple weeks of the season, like yeah. just, I, I ran across a lineup where Justin Bohr was hitting third behind Mike Trout. And yeah. I'm like, well, there you go. No wonder we didn't win the game. Like, no wonder we won't win. Like, you look at that back. So, like, that lineup, compared to what we've seen the last five, yeah. six years, maybe not that bad. No.
1: Matt Duffy opened the season at cleanup last year. Opening day, Duffy. And no knock on him, but he's not a cleanup hitter. And No,
0: and, and Jared Walsh might hit seventh on yeah. opening day this year. I mean, what, what's that tell you? This guy was an all-star two years ago. He's probably yeah. going to be the seven hitter. So, yeah. there's a, a ton of depth. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, you certainly feel that the uh, Ross is far more equipped to uh, lose a Trout for a little while or a or Rendon. But speaking about Rendon, obviously he's coming. in and we don't worry about the stats too much or anything like that. But he's looking healthy. He's, he's looking good and he could make a massive difference to this team going forward this
0: year. Oh, my gosh. You know what he's done? He's impressed. He's taken on this leadership role that I don't know that he was totally comfortable with. I mean, he was that in Washington and that's part of what made him so good with the Nationals when they won the World Series in 2019. And he was such a huge part of that. Signs a free agent deal, the 2020 COVID year, no one's around, there's no chemistry, that just didn't exist. So it's kind of a lost season. 2021, he comes in and it's still, you know, that's the Otani MVP year and you still have prime Mike Trout. And I don't know necessarily where Rendon necessarily fit in in that i think he was banged up most of the season so that was a tough year to try to establish leadership and then he gets hurt early in the 2022 season and he did something that surprised me because i thought randall was just going to go back to texas after he got hurt broke his wrist and he was going to rehab there and that would be that he decided to stay in anaheim and work out with the trainers at the big a Every day, was in the clubhouse, around the guys every day. He would get there, do his work, sometimes stay for the game. I I think he stayed for most games. I I don't remember offhand. But a lot of times, guys, like, go home. Rendon stayed. So that was an indicator to me that, well, they told us he had a season-ending injury. So I just assumed that the season was over for Rendon. But then he ended up coming back at the end of the year. And he mixed it up in that fight with Seattle, which I don't think is a small thing. I don't think I I, from like a teammate perspective, I think that said I think that said something to the guys that Randolph was the first one out there. So he's got all these leadership qualities that are starting to come out, and I think he's comfortable being an angel. I think he's comfortable in the role that he's in, and he's he's like smiling more. He's happier. He's playing freer, and I can only think that's a good thing. And I think I think the biggest thing is his body isn't hurting him all the time, and that probably has a lot to do with it.
1: A healthy Anthony Rendon brings, as Dave alluded to, and you've alluded to there, brings so much to this team that is, he, he, unfortunately, he probably is the tipping point, the difference maker for whether this team is going to be average, good, or playoff potential. Because if you have the Rendon we paid this money for and that we saw in Washington, this lineup is elite. I mean, there are not many lineups that can compete with what we're putting on the table if he's healthy and hitting.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I think, I think Rendon is that the term we use here is the X factor. Yeah. I think that, I think Rendon is that. And if Rendon is great, you know what, even if Rendon is is just good, the very good, that's going to be enough because you have great, you have, you have greatness in Trout and Otani. And if Renfro can be what he's been the last five years and Rendon can get back to somewhere close to what he was. And, and even 17 or 18, I'm, I'm going to throw out 2019 where he was yeah. just a God out there. Uh, I, I still think that Rendon can be a really valuable piece for the angels. And you just go down the line and the amount of depth that, that's there, he's going to have protection. I think Renfro is real protection to Rendon in the lineup as well. So yeah, I, I think that, you know Anthony Rendon's defense is a factor there were nine third basemen that played for the angels last year you know david mckinnon i love the guy but he's not even playing in america he's he's playing i, I believe he's either in korea or japan i can't remember exactly where he signed um but you know and, and you, you you already brought up um who the 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 cleanup hitter last year that we uh I thought that we Mad Duffy, good guy. Thank you, good good guy. But like I'm, I'm like struggling to remember his name. And you know there were there were so many of those that we saw last year. Um, you know in camp there were just a bunch of players and like man like if that's gonna be our third baseman I'm kind of concerned about that. And I just don't feel that way anymore. The the stars the the players are set. It's a big league clubhouse. It's not just a couple big leaguers and then a bunch of guys fighting for a spot. It's a ton of guys that belong. And like competition wise. I think catcher is still a competition just with where yeah. the Stikes fit in. Um, Six starters, a competition. Fourth outfield, there's a competition. And and maybe one of those infield spots is a competition, like an extra infielder. But all your starters are set, and that has not been the case for a long time. Like The competition that the Angels have are all kind of just like end of the bench, end of the roster kind of moves to make, not core players. And, and that's a really good feeling.
1: It really is. And you speak about Clubhouse and all these players in there. And actually, before I just go on to this point, I just want to shout out Taylor Ward in that as well, because yes. he's another guy, like potentially the fifth or sixth best hitter on this team. But if he <laughs> performs as he did the start of last year and the end of last year, which I really truly believe you do. I don't believe anything he did last year when he was hitting well was a fluke. I, I generally just think that was him putting it all together. Um, so he's another guy. Just got to say, I love Taylor Ward. I think he's fantastic. But going into the clubhouse, Phil Nevin, what do you think he's brought to this team? Because you know, you mentioned it earlier, I love Joe Madden. Joe Madden did great things for us over here, was really invested and we felt a lot of love from him. So it was sad to see him go. But Nevin came in and it was a difficult time, obviously, off the back of the losing streak. And the season still, I mean, we had a bit of winning streaks here and there, but it was still a bit disappointing. But for me, it seems like... The players love him. He seems like he seems like a, a player's coach. He seems to have brought a different energy to Joe into the clubhouse. And I, I just wanted to, yeah, to get your thoughts on what you think he actually brings
0: as manager here. Not only do the players love him, the players respect him. i mm. um, not saying they didn't with Joe, because obviously with Joe's track record, he did. But Phil brings, he brings a sense of the play. These guys know he has their back. He, they know that he's got their best interest, and he's done it. I mean, a former first round pick that had a long big league career. I think that that matters. I think Phil Nevin, or you know, is all about like toughness is a big thing with Phil and and playing hard, and um, but also realizing like I gotta you know have my players back, and, and I think that it's a freer clubhouse in that sense. I mean, Joe, Joe created a very free clubhouse atmosphere as well. But I, I do think like there there are some things that, that Phil brings that the players seem to, to gravitate towards just, again, his, his demeanor, his toughness, the way he handles situations, um, the way he addresses people. It's no nonsense. Now, you know, Phil Nevin as a game tactician, we'll see because, you know, that we only have a very small sample size of what he's been able to do, but he's managed at all levels and, I think that one thing that goes unnoticed about Phil is, you know, to be a former first-round pick that had a long major league career that he did, Phil Nevin made a lot of money as a baseball player. And most guys that make the money that Phil Nevin made don't want to put in the work to go down to the minor leagues. There was actually a team at Cal State forward just up the road from, from Angel Stadium. And it was an independent baseball team, the Orange County Flyers. And they just brought on a new manager, independent baseball. And Phil Nevin was the manager. And this is, we're going 10, 10 10 plus years ago. And he has climbed his way through the minor leagues again to get to the big leagues as an assistant coach and now get a manager job. He put in the work for a second career for himself. And I think that speaks volumes about the kind of person that Phil Nevin is. So I'm excited. I have I have really grown to respect and appreciate Phil Nevin. I've become a big Phil Nevin fan. I, I wasn't sure initially how I was going to feel about it. But as time has gone on, I, I can see the way the players gravitate towards them. And also, I, I don't think this is a small deal either. Think about what the Angels roster looked like in August and September of last year when they had nobody, in, including like no Mike Trout for a lot of that time. Yeah. And the Angels still managed to play over 500 baseball in August and September of a lost season. So that speaks volumes to
1: me. I'm the same as you and says I haven't been around him. So I don't see what you see on a daily basis, but definitely have warmed to him and definitely have seen a change, I guess, in just player attitudes. And it's subtle things. I guess sometimes you're looking for stuff that's possibly not there but you, you, as you said the 500 ball in august september that they kept going uh, it's it's promising i would say and i didn't know that story about his um going to independent ball so that i think yeah. you're right i mean that that shows how much he loves the game and how much he wants to drive to succeed i
0: guess yeah i, I think i think phil brings a lot of those things and I don't know that when Phil Nevin took over, and let's not kid ourselves, June was a disaster. July was an even bigger disaster for the Angels. Those two months were horrible for the Angels last year, and those were the first two months where Nevin was stepping in. I think the best thing that ever happened to Phil Nevin was the All-Star break. I think that he was so badly just trying to get caught up in what it was like to be a manager. He took that time, came out of the All-Star break, and he started doing different things. The Angels had to take batting practice. He, he made guys take batting practice, except for, you know, if you're Trout Notani or if you're at that level, you didn't have to take BP. He goes, if you don't want to take BP that day and you're an MVP, You don't have to take it. If you're not an MVP, you come to my office and we'll discuss it. And, you know, and then they make it, they make a decision based on that. But, you know, a lot of guys, you know, weren't taking batting practice. They weren't doing infield. There were just certain things that just weren't happening that after the all-star break, Phil Devon goes, no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do team stretch together and no one's allowed to miss team stretch. I don't care who you are. Some of those kind of concepts that had forever been a part of baseball that in the last, you know, six seven ten years had just kind of slowly faded away Phil Nevin's bringing a lot of that stuff back and the players like it thank goodness and you know when you have leadership like Trout and Otani buying in that certainly goes a long way but those are the kind of things that make a huge difference and and Nevin brought some of that which is kind of cool
1: that is cool you've sold him to me although the only way he can gain full respect is if he comes on the podcast like Joe did we
0: can work on that we can yeah. work on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go talk to somebody, of the uh, Angel Brass
1: and see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to get the chance to chat to Phil. But no, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for the year ahead and to see what they're bringing. We sort of touched on it earlier when I said about the, the way the off-season went. Let's just touch on the Artie Moreno U-turn. And also, was it the Tom Verducci interview he did finally last week yeah. and the reasons behind it? What was your take on...
0: On the whole saga i guess well i think that I, I first want to say i work for the radio station that Artie moreno owns like yeah I, so yeah. i I'm a, I'm a direct employee um under already moreno he's been nothing but great to me yeah. um and i i just I, I want to just say that first and foremost i think that the angels as an organization have never been afraid about going out to spend money and compete and try to win now has it always worked no But I I just I've heard so many horror stories and I, I didn't know what to feel when the team went up for sale because the Angels haven't been winning. So you're like, well, maybe maybe a change would be good. But then you're thinking, well, no, not necessarily, because you could get an owner that doesn't want to spend and doesn't want to be involved in the team. Artie Moreno cares so much about the Angels. He loves this ball club with so much immense passion and loves the game so much. He wants to win so badly. Like, what more do you want? And mm-hmm. y- yeah, you want to see it work. I get that. And I just, I, I have so much respect for Artie um, and his commitment to winning. The fact that the Angels have raised the payroll so much this year. It's the highest it's ever been. I think he spent $85 million this off season to get the payroll to where uh, it needs to be to compete. I think it's really impressive. And, you know, he, he had a quote in that Tom Verducci article where he was talking uh, with his wife, Carol, wonderful person as well. And he said, like, if we're going to do this and we're going to stick with the team, like we got to be better. And I yeah. love that because who, who can't relate to that? And, you know, I think about just in my life, anything, any time I get to commit to doing something. Well, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it at the very best possible level. And when that's your leader and it starts at the top with Artie Moreno, that's infectious. That goes to everybody. And, you know, it it hits on the radio side, on our staff. We want to do a better job on the radio. Um, Our sales team, they want to do a better job. Our PR team, they want to be better. It just hits every level of the organization when you get that kind of leadership at the top. So um, in that sense, it it made for an interesting offseason because I wasn't sure how to feel. but. I know how i feel now and i feel excited i feel like we have an owner and a leader that is committed to winning that is committed to being the best he can possibly be and having others around him be the best they could possibly be and i've never been more excited for an angel season than this one because of that so you know i i I don't spend a ton of time with Artie, but when i do it's it's always a a good experience And, and he cares about people too and um, I love the guy and I'm I'm glad he's the owner of the Angels and I um, am really looking forward to what this year's going to be. I think that was a really
1: interesting viewpoint from obviously your position with the Angels and what you do and your personal relationship with Moreno and I think it kind of for me sums up where the issues are because yes everybody wants to win so I understand the frustrations we get as frustrated as anyone when the team has been losing for years on years now and money doesn't seem to be invested in the right places. I don't think anyone can claim that money hasn't been spent because it has. It's just not necessarily being spent in the right place. But I think the interesting point there was, and where my frustrations are, I think it's the transparency or the lack of transparency. And I think from what you hear... Arty used to be quite a visible presence around Angel Stadium. You know, he used to go around talking to the fans. And I think that sort of thing has diminished for whatever reason. And I think the Tom Verducci piece was great because you you quoted one of the lines there about needing to do better, wanting to win. That's what you want to hear from an owner. And I think people will give a lot more leeway and have a lot more, you know, give the guy a lot more slack if they're hearing those sort of things. And whilst, yes, they might just be sound bites, and you'd expect him to say that, the commitment to winning is what everybody wants. Any Angels fan just wants that commitment to winning. So I think just if there's able now, he's decided, you know, he still loves the team, still wants to run the team just to have that openness again. And just when decisions are made, just to let fans know why they're being made and what the commitment is to winning. For me, that's all I want to see.
0: Yeah. And you, you want to, and you you want to see W's. You want to see the team perform well. And again it's it's an interesting role you you don't see a whole lot of owners spend a ton of time in the media and then those that do get criticized um that's just kind of the nature it's just the nature of owning a baseball team it's what we all would love to do right who wouldn't want to own a team and, Mm -hmm. and we all think about what we would do if we were the owners i don't know anybody that doesn't think like that and you know for the angels they they have an owner that is committed to winning i i I don't want to use specific examples here because I know some of the people in place, but I I just, I, I I hope fans can understand that just because your team gets sold when the new owner comes in, it doesn't mean that that new owner is necessarily committed to winning at that same level. Their commitment could be for other things. We have seen it before the angels organization has seen it before where you have seen times where there was not a commitment to winning. So I think that when you when you look at that and you look at the big picture, um, you look at a lot of different teams in sports, you know, sometimes to to, to the fans that were wanting a change, all I can say is be careful what you wish for, because you're not necessarily going to get somebody as committed to spending to win as what the Angels currently have now. And and believe me, I can understand all the frustration because the Angels haven't done a good enough job at winning baseball games um everyone's got to be better and there's a commitment here and i i'm the people i work with and the employees around angels baseball it's one of the best groups of human beings have ever been around so from that perspective uh, i hope fans can can see some of that stuff i know that for most most people you kind of stop some wins and losses but um you know, when when you see some of the red polos walking around Angel Stadium, uh, chat them up a little bit, get to know them. There's, there's really good people in the organization. And, and it, it all starts at the top with our leader.
1: I was going to say the exact same thing as you there at the end. I can personally vouch for that. I mean, when I was over in May, I mean, everyone was fantastic. Everyone I spoke to, yeah, so warm. So, you know, I think everybody had a common goal. Everybody seems driven towards Angel success. And just being this, the type of ball club, I think, I have fell in love with, which was the openness, the family atmosphere, the everything that comes with it. We're not the Dodgers. I mean, there's a very, you know, I think there's a very distinctive line between the two. And Angel Stadium is such a warm place to be and great employees and everything else that comes with it. So I, I agree. I mean, anyone that gets the chance to to speak to people when they're walking around and speak to staff, they should do it.
0: I, I mean, Angels the Angels are family, and I know it kind of sounds cliche. But like I love coming on this show because you are a part of that family, and, and I love you know you it, it's 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 a single owner it's it's a family business at the end of the day like Ar- Artie and Kelly Moreno it's a family business and you you totally get that sense it's not a big conglomerate it's not super commercialized um, and you you just you do get that warm sense we're we're not. In Los Angeles, we're in Orange County. And over the Los Angeles Angels, we know what that reason's for, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it's yeah. just it, it's it's to fit in with the market. That was a smart business move that the Angels made. Um, but we know we know what we are, and it is family, and it's it's pretty neat. So. Um- Touching on some of the rule
2: changes which are coming in for this year. Obviously, uh, we had a couple of bits um, happening last year in the minors. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on the pitch clock. Um, me, personally, I absolutely love it. I love having to see the guys have to hustle up and get on with it. I mean, there's nothing more infuriating at 4 or 5 in the morning watching these guys take, you know, two 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 and a half minutes to get through and at about, you know... It's a nightmare. So personally I'm well up for it. And um, just what's your view take on it so far? Obviously there's always gonna be lots of noise on the first occasions when it decides a game because there's a walk on a wall kind of bases loaded or, or whatever. But what's your viewpoint on it? Do you like it?
0: Yeah, I do. The first week of the season of the of spring training anyway, it was crazy. Everybody was all up in arms about it. And I gotta admit, the first broadcast I did, it was a big part of it because it was an adjustment for me to get used to what that was going to look like. Um, now that we're kind of settled in, I think that people that are watching spring training games are enjoying it. The, the one thing that I'd like to see some clarity on is the umpire signaling. I don't think it's totally crystal clear on that. So I think that's something that can get cleaned up. I'm mixed on the disengagements. You can only step off the rubber twice. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Um, you know, that that's maybe the one I don't like, the shift. I don't like that that rule is in place, but I understand the reason for it. Um, I just wish hitters, when they got shifted on, would just hit the other way. But whatever, no one was doing that. So you have to do something to try to correct it. The the one thing I feel about baseball now, even though the game has evolved, the game in some ways is changing because of the rules, it does feel like this is a reset back to the baseball, at least I grew up knowing and loving. And a lot of people that came before me um, feel the same way. You know, there weren't, we didn't used to have three and a half hour games routinely. I mean, the fact that I had one spring training game this year, that was three hours. The rest have all been like two 30. There was a, a two fifteen, but I don't even care about the overall game time. It doesn't matter to me. I care about the pace of the game, the flow and it's fast. There's times it speeds up. Um, first two, three games. It felt really fast. And now that I've seen a couple of weeks of it, I, I feel like now we're starting to get settled in here and, and it does feel like it's just a, a normal pace, it's just a pitcher that that maybe worked a little quicker. And you, you like that. It's it's better pace. It's more action. I think it's a better product. And I you're going to be hard pressed to find even the most traditional baseball people in 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 the game um, are not really pushing back on this. They they like it. I think it it, it almost feels like it's a, a more more of a throwback game now because of this like baseball needed a reset it was it was getting out of control with, with the game going to strikeouts walks home runs something had to change and you weren't going to totally be able to change strategy even though you tried shifting but this you you have to make an adjustment to make the game more entertaining it's better and, and you guys you guys are you guys you watch cricket yeah Okay, so so those games last, like, three weeks. You know what I mean? So, so you know, if, if anybody would, would, like, not be bothered by a game time, it would be you guys, and you guys like the rules, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the one thing is, though, cricket's not through the middle of the night. That's where That's where I'm going to quite enjoy it. I think I'm going to gain a lot of sleep hours back this year. Yes, big time.
2: Which is Nick, you've got a chance of being back to sleep now by five in the morning. That's that's a couple of hours.
1: Exactly, that's the hope. Get a couple of extra hours. The WBC has really hit me (laughs) because I've stayed up the last few nights for the for late games and yeah. But it's but
0: these spring training games gotta be great. These are like perfect timing. Oh,
1: these oh, if we could have spring training games all year, it'd be (laughs) perfect. Yeah, it's like it's what seven eight o'clock starts for us every night. So.
0: All right, I'm going to tell everybody that uh, the players may not like getting up for the early work of spring training, but uh, our fans overseas are pretty pumped up about it. So
1: exactly. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we we love it. Um, for, we can't we can't leave this without talking about the one thing kind of hanging over the Angels this year, which is Shohei Atani and Shohei Atani's contract. I mean, I think it's been done to death. The potential options we have with Shohei Atani and why they didn't trade him last year. We saw Moreno come out and say his reasoning behind it and what will happen this year. So I guess from you, let's not touch too much on that, but what do you expect to see from Shohei this year in a contract year? He doesn't seem like the sort of guy that's going to change whatsoever. He just loves playing the game. So what what do you think we're going to see?
0: Well, what do we know about contract years? Guys in contract years perform their very best. All right. Guys that feel like maybe they were snubbed in postseason awards generally the following year play their very best. Otani should have been the MVP. Of, as great as Judge was, Otani should have been the MVP 100%, last year. Hundred percent. So you have an Otani that feels like he was snubbed in a contract year with a hundred grade Angels team with more production than there's ever been in the lineup, with a deeper rotation, with less responsibility on him. This is the perfect storm for Otani to put together the greatest season of all time, and and I don't think that. You, anybody's going to deny that. What Otani should be able to do in 2023 should be unlike we've ever seen in the history of this game. And as far as will he stay, will he go? Nobody knows the answer to this. But I, I will tell you this if the Angels can win, that's the last box left to check on what Otani wants. Don't forget, there's a reason why he picked the Angels in the first place. He likes the market, he likes the location, he likes the community. And the one thing the angels haven't done is win. he's going to get paid, no matter he's going to be the highest paid player in the history of baseball, no matter what. So the money at a certain point is, you know, he's going to be the highest paid player ever, whether it's with the angels, whether it's with anybody, but at that point, is he going to be somewhere where he wants to be? Is he going to be around a group of guys he wants to be around? And for him, that's important. The only thing that's more important than that is winning. And if he feels like the Angels can't win, then he's probably going to go. If he feels like the Angels can win and they can show him something in 2023, and I think there's a lot of people that believe they can, then personally, I think he stays. That's my My two cents.
1: I can't really disagree with that. I think it's it sort of got to that position. He clearly wants to test free agency now. Why wouldn't he? He's got to this stage. He wants to see what's out there. But I don't think that discounts the Angels out at all. And it is all on winning, but we've been saying that for a few years, haven't we? I mean, this team needs to win, not just for Shohei, for Mike as well. And they both deserve to be winning and on winning teams in postseason baseball. You saw how fired up Mike Trout was when he hit his home run, didn't you? The other night in the WBC.
0: Well, I I think Mike needs to also learn a little bit how to win in, in some of those big games. I think being on this Team USA squad is going to be really good for him. I think being around, you know, champions all over the place in that dugout, as much as Mike is a leader of that group, I think it's also going to be a learning opportunity for him and learning from Ken Griffey Jr. I think he's going to be a better player for this experience. Um, And you think, man, he's Mike Trout. How much better could he be? He can get better. And I think that he's committed to that. So that's part of why I was so excited to see him play, because these are huge games, some of the biggest games he's ever played in.
1: Yeah,
0: And to see him, you know, I think he actually struggled a little bit early on. I don't think his timing was quite right. And, you know, he got going against Canada, which was really good. We got to see that continue. I think it'd be really good for Mike Trout to to learn how to succeed on that massive stage because he hasn't really had a chance to do that.
1: Without a doubt. And I think that's the same, isn't it, across the board. All of these angels that are over at the WBC, just playing in these games, playing in these atmospheres, you want that to translate back to – back to april i mean come in with that fire come in with that intensity that they've had to do in march which they're not used to having in march um so i mean angels aren't alone in this you you can see this across the major leagues but you'd hope our guys our stars are going to come back and just light it up in april because they've got this fire burning under them you're totally
0: right but nobody else has stars like the angels do nobody no. else has trout no time nobody else has the expectation that the angels have without the background of, of a track record of winning. You know, there the angels haven't, there's an expectation on this ball club to succeed at a very high level with superstar players that nobody else has, and they haven't done it yet. And at some point it's going to be make or break time. And in many ways with the Otani deal and the last year, he's under team control in, in many ways. It does feel like this is that time for yeah. the angels. Yeah. Um, they have a great team. I'm, or, forgive me. They have a very good team with a chance to be a great team with the incredibly high expectations. Like it's set up for this to be the year and now they just have to go out and do it.
1: Certainly. And on that note, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't do a spring training podcast without asking you for some predictions for the year ahead, Put put it on the line. Now we won't hold it against you because if we go back and look at the last few years of predictions, Dave, they don't look favorably for us, but
2: but right. Don't look favorably for me.
1: Mainly for no. you. Mainly for you. Where would you where are you going to put us right now? Cards on the table. How many wins does this team have?
0: I'm going to say 88, second place in AL West with a chance to put together a playoff run. If this team can just get in, they can go on a run because the pitching staff's good enough.
1: Yeah. I mean, we haven't touched on this stuff at all really today, but uh, uh, maybe for another time, but I love what they're doing. I love Sandy. I think Detmers is going to have a great year. Obviously, Shohei is fantastic.
0: Let me tell you this. Detmers, like, Sandoval's very good now. Detmers might end up being a legitimate ace, ace, ace kind of guy. I The, the sky is the limit for Reed. Like, that's my, that, that's my biggest takeaway too from camp. Reed Detmers might be like a future star superstar
1: that's all we can hope for he's promised me another no hitter so uh, <laughs> i've actually i've booked booked my flights this evening so i'm back on may 20th to may 29th for the twins red Sox, and marlin series so clear schedules for those ones they're going to be big big angels games
0: we could use another trip in october too with uh, <laughs> with your track record so you may want to look into that as well <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was the plan last year it just all uh all unraveled a bit we don't
0: that last year's last year we're moving on 2023
1: let's go friend thank you so much for your time we will not want to hold you on too much longer just want to say where can our listeners find you on your social media on angels on the radio where can they get you
0: yeah you can uh, for, for those that are not in Southern California, you can check us out, am830.net, a good way to listen. I do, maybe if you're, for your morning morning commute to work after yep. uh, the Angels play a game, you can listen uh, live to the Angels post game show that we do from the stadium every night. Um, that's always a good way to check it out, the Angels Recap Podcast, we do once a week, available at angels.com slash podcast. And I'm still on a few more of these spring training games here on Valley. Uh, uh during the uh during the course of this uh, spring training time so um, doing that on the tv side has been a lot of fun so hopefully you guys can check that out as well and uh you know wherever there's angel stuff at Trunk rush sports is where you can find me but we got we got stuff all over the place but i really do appreciate you guys having me on thank you
1: no we really appreciate coming on and dave dave's an avid listener of your uh post game i'm usually going to bed at that point for a few hours way to
0: go dave thank <laughs> you i've been wondering who the listener is now we know <laughs> it's all just right. me
1: thanks trent and uh obviously go check us out go subscribe if you're not subscribed already and we're on all your favorite podcast platforms so go halos